All right, this is the, uh, the final lesson in the Watering My Grass series. So <clears throat> bear with me, just a brief recap, and then we'll come into the final part of bringing this together in regard to what it means for us to water our grass daily. So if you'll remember, God can use us right where we are. If we will simply focus on watering the grass where we are and appreciate the pasture that God has placed us in, he will supply us. We simply need to learn how to lean and depend on him and be willing to work right where we are. The second point was that time is not the issue. It's a matter of distraction. Luke chapter 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It's all around us. It just requires us to truly awake, be aware, and be very intentional about seeking God's kingdom first. Third, using our talents, the abilities, the gifts, the opportunities that God presents to us, that we are stewards of, using them and using them wisely and living with the attitude that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And as we mentioned, it's easy to die for something and much more challenging to live for it because that's every day. We have to water the grass daily. We have to follow Christ daily. But we can do it if we lean on God. And then lastly, if we're to be effective, it's going to be because we live out the gospel in our lives. The manifestation of God's love and all that he has done seen in the grace that God has given us and the way that we would treat others, the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we spend our time and the way that we go about encouraging those around us. We must conform to the image of God's Son. We are in the world, but not of the world. And if we're truly conformed, then people will see that we are different. They will see the light and we will be salt. And that's just where it begins as far as effectively sharing the gospel and making disciples. Now to review what we had talked about last week, just some of these reasons that sometimes are stumbling blocks. Remember we said that, you know, there are a lot of people, but that is not an issue. Now we can stare at the large mountain and its enormity and we can let it overwhelm us, but it's a matter of focus. We simply focus on the first step. What's the first step? Because we can climb that mountain, just like we can eat that elephant, right? One bite at a time or one step at a time. So it's a matter of focus, focusing in on what that first step is and then taking the first step and then the next and the next. And with that, we can tackle anything and nothing would be impossible for God, which reminds us whether we have much or little or whatever circumstance we have, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Coming into the second about life being too fast and complicated, we said that number one, we must take control of our lives. We have the freedom, the liberty, we have all that we need to be fulfilled and satisfied in Christ. It's up to us. We simply just have to recognize the control that we truly have, take control and make our decisions based on the governance that we are seeking God's kingdom first and then secondly again it's not a matter of time it's a matter of distraction 
The harvest is plentiful. It's all around us. We can work in God's kingdom and be effective because it's there. Wherever we are, it is there. And we can work. God can use us right where we are. And then lastly, this misunderstanding of of separation. God does not call us to isolate ourselves. We are the wheat, but we live amongst the tares. Like we said, we are in the world, but not of the world. We must be salt, and salt must get out of the container and make contact with the food in order to have its effect or to be effective. And the light must be taken out from under the basket. It must be set up on the hill so that it can shine and therefore take its effect and vanquish the darkness and draw people from the darkness into the light. That is what we have been called to do. So not isolationism, but to be in the world walking by the Spirit and not overtaken by the desires of the flesh. So just like Jesus, we are in and among sinners so much as we are the influence, not to be influenced or become partakers of the desires of the flesh. And then lastly, as we bring this to a head and come into the things that we want to think about today, when we think about this, uh, you know, sharing the gospel and making disciples, this is a responsibility that, of course, comes to all those that are in Christ as far as doing this type of work. Now, later, we'll look at more specifically as that pertains, because, yes, we have babes in Christ and so forth and so on. But we have to understand that we're all ambassadors of Christ in that an ambassador is a representative of or a promoter of Christ. So when he talks about we need laborers, we are all called to labor. We are not all teachers, but we are all called to labor. We will expound on that point later. The last thing here is got to remember that faith is not an intellectual agreement, right? You can't sit here and just agree with me that this is something that we should do. Faith is taking the necessary, the appropriate, the essential action based upon the intellectual agreement, the belief. And that's what we've got to challenge ourselves to do. And that's what this lesson is all about. Looking at the practical application of these things that we understand, we know that we need to go out and live the gospel out in our lives. That we're to be salt and light 24-7, that it's who we are. That in order to save our life, we have given our life to Christ. He is our master. He is our Lord and our Savior, and we live for him. We serve him. We understand that. But we must take the appropriate action within our lives. And that's what today is about. So the next step within this process, we'll use some terms. And so the first term we'll talk about is intentionally building bridges. So we use this to talk about engaging and developing meaningful relationships. That's what we're talking about here in regard to building bridges. And that's just the people around us, and it's just one person at a time. So yes, being salt and light, but actively and intentionally engaging these people or this person that is around us with the intention that I'm going to develop a meaningful relationship with them. Okay, so there's an important statistic that we need to think about. There was a survey of 10,000 people by the uh, Institute for American Church Growth, and they asked the question, quote, what was responsible for your coming to Christ and this church? And among the responses, there were quite a few that all separately only brought about 6% or less 
in regard to that answer. And some of these are what you may think. I had a special need or I just walked in or I liked the minister or I visited there. I liked the Bible classes. I attended the gospel meeting or I liked the program. So all of those separately, none of them was more than 6%, some of them 0.5% or 1%. So very insignificant in regard to the one that was 79%. So 79% of 10,000 people said they came to Christ or this church because a friend or relative invited me. Let it strike you that a friend or relative is a meaningful relationship. And let it also strike us that they took action. What did they do? They invited this friend or relatives. Therefore, when we're thinking about building these bridges, we need to know that eventually it makes sense that we're going to invite them to come to a Wednesday or a Sunday service here at the building to study the Bible, to worship God here among other Christians. That has to be there within our process. And so we'll look at that more specifically later. So just a couple points in that regard. We cannot, as we talk about these things, miss the importance of building the bridge. Because we can talk about several things in regard to sharing our faith, but we cannot let ourselves overlook the importance of developing these meaningful relationships. And that's because we can walk around at the park and we can hand out flyers all day. We can go meet at a place like Books A Million and we can study the Bible week after week after week. But I think in terms of long-term success, people coming to Christ and staying in Christ and getting invested with other brothers and sisters in Christ and continue to work and bear fruit in the kingdom. That's critical, bearing fruit in the kingdom because God says that if you don't bear fruit, cut you off. That there's no substitute for developing these meaningful relationships. So if we wanna go out into the world and help people come into Christ, find the fulfillment and salvation that we know we all yearn from within the spirit, we need to build bridges with people around us. It's going to be essential. It's key to the effectiveness of this process. So let's go ahead and get into looking at this process. What are we talking about here as far as the bones and the meat of building a bridge? I think it's important to note as we look at the, the prophet and the judge Samuel and even Jesus, that it said that both of them grew in favor with God and with man. And when I read Romans chapter 12, I'm reminded that Paul wrote to them, so much as it depends on me, live peaceably with all men. And the point here is that the way that we live, the way that we interact with other people is very important. It's critical for the influence that we're going to have. So as we think about ourselves being salt and light, these interactions, right, not just our character, but also our reputation. Jesus and Samuel grew in favor with God and man. We need to be intentional about that as well. So not just our character, but the reputation that we have with the people around us. 
as we go about interacting with people in the world. So therefore, a few things to help us in this regard. Pray, praying for wisdom in regard to our interactions and the actual building of bridges with people around us. We need to involve God in the process and ask for his help, ask for him to send the Holy Spirit into our lives and to help us as we develop these relationships. So in a very practical way, I would encourage us to make a list, right? Think about, you know, whether in our neighborhood, at work, in all the other places and things that we might do in the community, to just think about people. We're not judging soil, we're just making a list, writing people's names down, and we will pray to God, and I promise you the Spirit will be at work. So just make a list, and then begin praying for these people daily, asking God for an opportunity, right, to put on God's eyes and see as he sees, and to leave me, God, may I be here. I think about even Samuel in the temple with Eli, here I am, Lord. Right? God comes to him again and he doesn't know it's God. He, th he thinks it's Eli. Here I am, Lord. And again, here I am, Lord. Keeps coming back to Eli. He's ready to serve. Pray for these people. Be ready to serve. Ask God to get involved in my life and let me get involved in these people's lives so God can use me. Making ourselves useful for the kingdom. So pray. And asking for courage. I know that times we're scared and we doubt. We have to pray and ask for courage. And how do you grow in courage but to perform acts of courage? Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather acting despite the fear. And we can do that when we know that God is with us. I just think about growing up, even though my brother drove me crazy and I truly hated him for so many years, if my brother was with me, I was fearless. How much more so when I recognize that God is with me and God is with you, if you will allow him to be. Take courage and do these things that are kind of scary and just keep on keeping on. And the things that used to make us afraid will become easy. But we have to take action. So the next part of this, though, is how do you build these bridges stronger? How do we build these bonds? So, of course, it's about getting to know this person or these people better. And therefore, we have to ask them questions, right? And be good listeners. Where are you from? Family background. Where they went to school? What are their interests? And we're looking for common ground. For it's on that common ground with which we'll build the, the foundation of the relationship. And... Most likely, the common ground is what will naturally take us into the next part of this process. So hear me, this is not manipulation. This is not some evangelism game. This is true, genuine, meaningful relationship building that's going to benefit our life and their life. This is win-win all the way through, all the way through. So when we are selfless, we're good listeners, we're humble, we're encouragers, that's going to go a long way towards building the types of relationships that has soil that can be fruitful. So like I said before this about praying, praying for the wisdom in regard to these interactions and praying for these people and God's intervention with the Spirit 
as we strive to develop these relationships. These things will build stronger bridges and help grow the bond. And when we have, as we see in this next kind of step, when we have these things in place, now we have a person that sees value in the relationship that we have developed with them. And that's the type of relationship where if you ask somebody, why don't you come and, and worship with me? Or why don't you, you come to Bible study with me? The person is very likely to accept the invitation. And it has to do with the things that we're talking about here. Because in a relationship where both people are giving and taking, there's an investment there. And we're willing to give. We're willing to say, yes, I'll take the time and, and try this with you. This is important to you. And, you know, I respect and I love and I honor you as my friend. And there's something that's important about this to you. And I want to know. I want to understand. And they become much more likely to accept the invitation. And Lord willing, they come to understand why we are the way that we are. So the, the next part of this is getting beyond the initial contact and conversation. So at some point, it makes sense that we would go out and do or, or be a part and, and kind of get more involved in regard to the relationship. So like we said, it may be based upon the common ground. So naturally, there may be things that we would go and do and, and build the bond through that type of relationship. We know how powerful it is to share a meal, but it may also be getting involved in, and helping. And that kind of brings us into the third part of this. And that is where we try and seek the opportunity to serve them. We pray for opportunities to serve them. We know that our Lord and Savior, he came not to be served, but to serve. And so it may be a matter of transportation or there may be a matter of helping with their kids or there may be a home project or they need help with the car or, or some other type of, of tool or, or something of that case. But being willing and open and aware that there's some type of practical need or something that we're there and we're going to step up and we're going to serve them to help grow that bond. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, we read this. And this speaks to, I think, the importance of demonstrating our love in deed and not word alone. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we must be ready as we're trying to grow these bonds stronger and build these relationships. Be ready to take action and be willing to help them and serve them and develop value for them in the relationship. It certainly can't be about us. So as we get to the point and you know that if we're living out the gospel, then conversations will just naturally manifest themselves where we talk about faith or matters such as related to faith. But ultimately, we've got to be people that are, are patient and gentle and sensitive to the thoughts and ideas that they may have, being good listeners. So as we carry this even beyond initial contact and conversation and intentionally seeking to do things with them to build the relationship and bring value to their lives and even seeking to serve them, then we know probably naturally or organically because we're not trying to hide our faith. We are who we are. We are salt and light and we are shining the light. 
So it's not one of these types of games, like I said, it's no manipulation. So at the point when we you know, intentionally share our faith, it's not a big surprise moment at all. It's more or less a cause and effect. This is the way I live, being the cause. And the effect is that the gospel, my faith, is going to be shared. They are going to know why I have this hope that is in me, ready to give a defense and a reason, an explanation for that. But we remember when we read that passage from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says to do so with gentleness and respect. And so as we come to this part where we start to talk about, okay, we built the strong relationship and now we want to be intentional about sharing our faith, I think there's some very important reminders. So the first thing, like we said, yes, living out the gospel naturally and not hiding our faith. Being fruit-bearing disciples of Jesus Christ for all to see, shining the light. But secondly, from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we're reminded of the importance of being gentle and having respect for them. I can remember reading an essay by Nancy Mares titled On Being Crippled. And in there she talks about, you know, when she had MS and how that came about and how it affected her life. She made some excellent points about how important it was for having a good attitude each day and being able to laugh at the challenges and being able to smile. She talked about the thankfulness of a supportive husband and family. And towards the end of the essay, she said something that was so brilliant. She said, even though, you know, there are so many things that I hate about this disease. And she had come to the point where she was able to separate the disease from herself. I am not the disease. I don't hate myself. But she said, one of the reasons I'm thankful that I have MS is that it's taught me to be gentle with other people. So when we think about sharing our faith, cannot overemphasize the importance of, be, of doing it with gentleness and respect. I know there's a tendency there to turn the fire hydrant on and just send out all this information and this knowledge, but we must control ourselves. It's not effective. I know there's a tendency when they say something that we know is not right by the word of God, that we want to jump on it and make the wrong right, we've got to have wisdom. Therefore, we need to pray for wisdom, right? And be patient. There was a situation just the other day. Not that I handle these situations perfectly or that there is a perfect way to handle the situations, but we just got to make ourselves sometimes do what we know is right, and that is to speak truth. I was talking to a friend of mine because she had said, they were uh, looking to visit churches. I said, well, you should come and visit with me. Come and sit with my family and so forth. And uh, she talked about how important singing was to her. She was someone that had definitely been involved in singing and so forth. And so, of course, you know, there's that urge to say something, but the need to be gentle and, and respectful. And so at the appropriate, what I felt was the appropriate time, I did make mention of the authority and why I or why we believe the way that we do based on what the Bible says. But I, I just said it and I let it sit. I didn't take it any further because I knew the seed was planted. And I knew that she wouldn't have anything to say to that, nor should she at that point in time. But the seed is planted. 
And then I sought to make her feel comfortable again. So I talked about how I enjoy singing, but I'm not good at it. And I'm thankful that Chris Senior, when he comes and he sings out, it makes me feel as if I have a gift for singing. Because I can just sing under his wings as he proclaims. Right? And so again, she got back to feeling comfortable and talking about singing. And here we are talking about worship. And the conversation can continue. And we can go back to this conversation. And that's because I didn't destroy the conversation or make her feel terribly uncomfortable about it. But I planted the seed. I spoke the truth. I put it there. And it's probably something that she hasn't heard. And so I would think, especially as I continue to pray, that that seed may take some root. She may think about it a little bit further. And it gives me time to think about it while I'm away from her and then set up maybe the next step, maybe the next intentional action that I'll take. And prayerfully, maybe she'll be sitting over there worshiping God with us one day. But that's all this is, right? Just be willing to engage and aware and take advantage of these opportunities as they are around us. And so in thinking about sharing the gospel, yes, gentleness and respect, but being quick to listen, right? Like we said, the fire hydrant, taking James' advice, Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We have to be able to control our emotions and not become emotional. Coming back to Samuel, when Israel requested the king, how did that make Samuel feel, right? He was angry. He felt like they were rejecting him. And God said, no, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I am their king, right? We have to understand where they are and be patient with them. Maybe for you, you can look back to yourself as you try to crawl into their skin and you can remember a time when people needed to be patient with you, when people needed to be patient with me. And thankfully, hopefully, they were patient with me. And that should help us control our emotions and be patient with these people. Same way that Jesus and God are so long-suffering and patient with each and every one of us so we can do that with them. So we come through and now we're starting to get to some more intentional things about sharing the gospel. Don't want to lose sight of the effectiveness of building this relationship and ultimately remember inviting them to a Wednesday night or a Sunday service so they can come and be among Christians and study the Bible with Christians and worship God with Christians and develop other relationships with Christians, with us. Do not forget that part of this and how that needs to be part of the equation after we built these strong relationships, built this bond. All right? And if they'll allow us to do that, then maybe, Lord willing, that will be the ship that sails them into God's harbor. I pray it is. But it may not be. They may not be willing to come on a Wednesday night or a a Sunday morning. They may have commitments to a church that they're attending right now. And they're just not willing to step outside of that commitment to come and be with us. So then what? What will we do at that point? And so when I answer that question, you know, where do we begin? And this, I I realize that this answer is in a general sense. We know that in building these relationships that there's going to be questions and conversations And that may take us uh, into the Bible to address those things. But generally speaking, 
This process here that I'm talking about here, yes, we're laying it out linearly and we know that it doesn't always work this way, but just for the simple sake of understanding and simplicity, we have to lay it out this way. Okay, but of course we understand that it's not always just step by step, and we get that. But ultimately we would like to come to this point and just say, okay, if I want to share my faith with someone, then where do I need to begin? And I would say this, beginning with your own personal story and what God, what Jesus has done for me is a great place to begin. And I say that because of Luke chapter 8. If you want to put your eyes on it, put your eyes on it. But Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 26, we see Jesus coming into the country of the Gerasenes, so a country of Gentiles. And this is where he heals the man that has been possessed by the demon. And this is one that had been outcasted and the people thinking he's crazy and all this. And Jesus removes the demon. And so the man is extremely thankful and he wants to go with Jesus. He's ready to leave everything behind because he had nothing. Right? This demon has taken everything from him. And Jesus gives him freedom. Right? Cast out the demon and he's ready to go. He's ready to do whatever Jesus would tell him to do. His life belongs to Jesus. And Jesus says, quote, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. I think it's important to start with the personal story because of this, but also because this story, it helps open up people's hearts to the gospel and to seeing the grace of God in our lives. And it will compel them to want to go further as far as this Jesus goes. And that takes me to the second part of this. Most people need to know the real Jesus. In this part of the country, there are many people that would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but they don't know the real Jesus. They know this Jesus that either they created or somebody else created that they bought into that they're pretty comfortable with. But when you go and read the Gospels, Jesus does not make us feel comfortable. He challenges us. He makes us very uncomfortable at times with the way that we live. And that doesn't matter if you've been in Christ for however many years. He continues to challenge us if we'll just continue to read the Gospels and seek to be a fruit-bearing disciple of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of when John was maybe a little bit unsure while he was in prison, but anyways, he sent his disciples to Jesus to make sure that he was the one. And Jesus had said, you know, send him back eventually and said, tell him all that you see and, and hear. And then he said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. We need to go into the gospel. Maybe it's Mark because of his brevity and the fact that the audience is Gentile for the most part. Maybe that's the one that might be good. I don't know, pray for wisdom or talk to other people that are comfortable teaching and, and make that decision. Maybe based upon this person's background, it would make more sense to go into Luke or John or Matthew. It just depends, but take them into the gospel and study with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them get to know the real Jesus and let God work. It's not about me or you and our teaching ability, but we've got to open the Bible. We've got to show them Jesus. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's the one that saves. But God needs or wants laborers. And that's where we step in. 
we got to be willing to leave, right? we got to be willing to talk and share our faith with people and show them the real Jesus. That's the second thing. And as we come through one of the Gospels, and this is critical, we need to think about this. Read the Gospel alone and think about questions that you need to ask this person that will help them think and dig deeper. Jesus was excellent at teaching these lessons and saying these things that would leave people confounded, that would make them think, that would really test them, test their mettle and make them go deep inside themselves, right? We need to take the time while we're alone and can process things and pray and ask God to help us in this, but to ask questions. Because as we read through the Gospels, there are very important things like sin and why it was necessary for Jesus to suffer and die and the significance of the resurrection and the new covenant and Jesus' church and conversion. There's very important topics and things that will naturally present themselves if we're ready to ask specific questions and go there. And then very organically, that will take us into the book of Acts and other New Testament letters. And we need to be prepared to go there. But if we'll do that, if we'll open the Bible, and look, it may be a situation where we can't sit down with them, you know, every day or, or even frequently, but there are other ways to do this. You know, I've had a situation with someone living in another city where I just tell them what I wanted them to read and then follow up with them and talk to them about it. Where there's a will, we can do God's will, but we've got to have the desire. We've got to be willing to make it work and figure it out, and we can do that. As long as our mind is intent and we're determined upon doing it, we have to be willing. But we've got to get them to open the Bible and read and get to know the real Jesus and be prepared to help guide them to these very important topics and then be prepared to listen to them, right? Seek first to understand and then to be understood. I was blessed that I grew up ignorant. No one tried to teach me anything so that when I heard the word of God, my heart was ready. It was struck. It was on fire. I was ready to accept it. But that's not the case for many people. Many people have been taught and they have been ingrained by not necessarily the whole truth or partial truths. And it's ingrained in them and it's ingrained in their, their familial relationships. And some people would rather die and be with a family member than die and be with Christ. Right? And we have to be aware of that. And be gentle and respectful and patient and long-suffering just like Jesus and God is with us. And so I bring this to a conclusion. It's just a, a few important points. As I had mentioned, we don't all, we're not all going to be teachers. Right? But we do remember Luke chapter 10, verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, right? It's everywhere. But we are called to be laborers. And we need to make a commitment that we're going to labor to the extent or to the ability that God has afforded us at this point in our lives. Now, we recognize that babes in Christ, they're focused on their own discipleship. And they need a mentor or somebody that is working with them so that they can grow strong in the spirit. So that they're becoming like Jesus and that they are equipping themselves to eventually be able to labor 
in this type of work. So if you're a babe in Christ, that's your focus. If you don't have that mentor, you need to get that mentor. It may be a parent, which is great, and it may be a parent plus, but get that. That's a priority. Babes in Christ, do that and begin that today. Reach out. And all of us that can, we need to be willing to invest and help the babes in Christ. But the rest of us, especially those of us that are capable of teaching, then we're actively laboring in that regard. And if we're one that is not a teacher, we haven't been blessed, it doesn't mean that we're not working towards that. But everything that we talked about today as far as building bridges and creating opportunities, we all can do that. And even if they're not willing to come to a Wednesday or a Sunday, we are glad to create other opportunities. We can have other Bible studies on other nights of the week at this building, in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, at someone's home. We'll do whatever it takes. But it won't happen unless we all make a commitment to being laborers, right? To praying and asking for wisdom and making the list Today, don't let anything pass today without making a list and praying for these people. Make the commitment that today and, and this week and this next month and, and this quarter that I'm going to participate and make this a part of my life, part of the way I live my life. And I say the way for a reason. That's because when you go into the book of Acts, you read of the way. And when I read of the way, it reminds me that it's God's way, that it is a determined and defined path, a course that can be entered and traveled, and it has a definite destination. And I'm also reminded that the knowledge of the way 2,000 years ago sounded forth to the ends of the earth because people like me and you were willing to take it there. We know what God was willing to do for us. We know what Jesus was willing to do for us. And hopefully you think about and you know what others in the past have been willing to do for me and for you so that you could be saved. What are we willing to do today and moving forward for those around us that are within our reach, the lost souls around us? So lastly, I bring you the words of Paul as he said, beloved brothers, let us be steadfast immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our work is not in vain. We will now be led in prayer.